0: Upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't you love to have been there on that day? <clears throat> Wouldn't you love to have been there on the day uh, that the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? Wouldn't that have been a special moment? You know, <clears throat> a couple of thoughts come to me from that, and we'll look at them as we go. First of all, you God can be pleased, God can be pleased. And you can please him. Let's let's begin to tease through our passage here. Why did Jesus get baptized? Well, first of all, I think he did it as an example to us. He was going to fulfill all righteousness, so he's going to do what the Father told him to do, so we know. Listen, this is something the Father had told him to do, so he was going to fulfill all righteousness. John 13 verse 15 says, For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, I, I think this, right, I think if there was no other passage in the scripture about baptism, apart from this one, I think I would still want to be baptized. I think I would still want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and be baptized, because he's the example. Now, I had reason to get baptized, because I was a sinner, I got saved, and I had to, needed to declare it and declare that what had happened in my life. Uh, he didn't, but I think I would have done it just because he did it. Because, uh, because he was an example for us. First John two verse six says, "He he that saith he abideth in him ought also himself ought himself also so to walk as he walked." You know, listen. If if I believe in him and I abide in him, and abiding is a kind of a two way street. That's not the, not the, the where we're going with our message today. But abiding means I'm abiding in him, and he's abiding in me. He's in me. We're together, we walk together, we live together. You might say this, we cohabit one body. It's my body technically, but you know what? Uh, He's in it, because uh, the moment I got saved, that's what happened. The Spirit of God uh, came into my body, so I abide with him. Now, if I abide with him, I ought to walk as he walked. I ought to walk. You we talk to people about baptism. Sometimes people don't want to get baptized. Um, It's embarrassing. You know, um, uh, they they feel like there's a stigma involved in it. They've got all kinds of issues and deals, and people people will hold off as far as baptism is concerned. But if he dwells in you, and that's what he wants of you, then of course you ought to get baptized. There really is no question. Of course you ought to be baptized. So I think, first of all, Jesus was baptized as an example for us. Secondly, I think he did it to mark the beginning of his earthly ministry. Jesus is about 30 years old at this point, and he's about to embark on his ministry. For the first 30 years, he's virtually unknown. Uh, He's done a couple of miracles along the the way. Um, But really, apart from John, nobody in the crowd thinks there's anything special about him. You know, this isn't just another person coming to be baptized john looks at him walking up to him and goes the spirit of god goes in john john this is him this is the one you've been looking for john right and um uh, they they obviously knew each other they may not have met for some time or whatever but you know what in the in that moment john knew who it was that he was dealing with nobody else did and this marks the beginning of his earthly ministry from here on out. uh, He's going to minister. He's going to minister very effectively. He's going to minister very powerfully. He's going to minister tirelessly for three years, and the world is never going to be the same. From this day on, things are going to start to happen that the world just is going to be completely shaken by, uh, because this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, is going to start something uh, that's going to change the world utterly changed the world so it marks the beginning of his ministry thirdly i think as a consecration for ministry now what does it mean to consecrate something Well, it means basically to set something apart from ministry and i think jesus is coming down into the into the baptismal waters and john is baptizing him and the father is entering into it by the way we have father son and holy spirit all involved in one picture here uh, we have the Trinity involved in the, in the picture here. And he's coming down, and, and he's being consecrated. He's being set aside for ministry. Now, we're going to baptize There's 17 people, I think, today that are going to get baptized, right? We're going to baptize 17 people. I think we need to kind of catch that. Uh, I said, what we're going to do is we're going to baptize you in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're going to consecrate you for ministry too. Because you... In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a believer who comes into the kingdom to be a spectator. It doesn't work that way. When you come into the kingdom, you come into the kingdom to be a soldier, you might say. You get consecrated. You become part of his workforce, part of what he wants to do, because God's got a plan for this world. And he wants to use every one of us in that plan. He wants us to get involved. He wants us to be a part of it. Uh, He wants us to uh, be involved. So I think if we were to look at our baptism as being a consecration for ministry. Well, yeah, I used to be David O'Gorman, live my own life, doing my own thing. But you know what? A while back I got saved. Jesus Christ came into my life and he saved me. And then I got baptized. Because what I was saying is, listen, my life is yours, Lord. I'm yours, you, Lord, you, you, you can you can do what you like with me, Lord, my, my life is yours. Now, we're going to do a baptism today, it's going to be very civilized, uh, it's going to be very non-threatening, you know, anybody can come here and get baptized. Do, do you realize there are a lot of people in the world who can't do it in that way, but they still get baptized? There are a lot of people on this planet who will get baptized this week because they've become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, though they're risking their very they had the privilege of being involved in a baptism in Armenia and there was a group of believers there uh, and they wanted to be baptized the whole family, they wanted to be baptized they had come to to the Lord and knew the Lord but they didn't want anybody from their own country to know because they knew that if they found out they would be imprisoned when they went back to the country now, that's a level of consecration we don't think about, isn't it? You know, oh, the, the the first century believers would wear white on the day of their baptism, and and for a week afterwards. And what they were doing was they were saying, "Hey, I'm a Jesus person now. I belong to Jesus. I've I've been baptized. I belong to Him." And when somebody gets baptized, that's what they do. They consecrate for ministry. Now, I, I wonder for those of you who are getting baptized today, are you thinking of it like that? for those of us who are baptized, have we really considered it like that? My life's not mine. It belongs to Him. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to live a life that was not His to the death. And really, I think we ought to think of it like that. That this life is not mine. It belongs to Him. That my life belongs to Him. That he can do whatever he wants in my life, so I think he got baptized as a consecration for a ministry. And then I got—I think this—this this keeps coming up when you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. This—this this, this idea of obedience. Right? He he did it in obedience to the command of the Father, right? John thirteen, verse fifteen says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Right? We've read that before. John four thirty four, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, that's a powerful verse there. My meat, food, one of the driving forces in our lives. You know, hey, we're we're about food, aren't we? You know, if I talk to you about it too much, you'll start getting hungry and longing for lunch today, won't you? Uh, You'll be imagining what you're going to eat for lunch today. We're never far from eating. We're always thinking about eating. Our grandchildren are staying with us. I mean, I can tell you that, right? Uh, uh, We've got one that comes into the kitchen, you know, first thing in the morning, and he just says, food. Now the thing about kids is kids don't know enough to hide it but the rest of us are pretty like that too we like eating food is a driving force in our lives Jesus said this he said my meat my food the driving force in my life is to do the will of my father that's what I'm all about that's what I'm here for Um, I think that's what we should be about too to do the will of our father John 8, 28, then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. I do nothing of myself. What he was saying there was, I don't do what I want. It's not about me. It's not about me up to and including the fact that I'm going to be lifted up from the earth, I'm going to die on a cross. It's not about me. Uh, his obedience to the Father. John fifteen ten. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Now, that's a great picture for us there. Now, we're not talking about abiding in him here, we're talking about abiding in his love. Same thing in a sense, but not really, right? Now, do you think Jesus ever for a moment doubted the Father's love, apart from when he went to the cross with our sin? Do you think in his life he ever doubted the Father's love? Do you think he ever ever woke up, you know, in the middle of the night and wondered if God cared enough about him? No, he never did. Jesus abode in the Father's love. He he knew things were okay with him and dad. They were always okay with him and dad. Things were always right. Wouldn't it be nice for you to live your life like that? It's okay between me and God. For you to abide in his love. You know, we talk about love often. But human love has its limitations. And human love always leaves us yearning for something. But there's a love that doesn't. There's a love that you can abide in. But see what it says there? It says, if you keep my commandments... Now, he doesn't say, if you keep my commandments, then you stay saved. Uh, But he does say, if you keep my commandments then you will abide in my love. Do you want to know the Father? Do you want to know him in, in that way where you sense his love and live his love all the time? Then you need to keep his commandments. You need to live in that way before him. Philippians 2 verse 7 and 8, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, there's your word again, unto death. Even the death of the cross. Jesus took obedience so seriously that he was willing to die in order to obey. That's pretty serious. We don't take it that seriously, do we? You know, we take obedience, okay, as I will be obedient to you unto displeasure. Till the day I don't want to do it, then I'm not going to obey. But no, he said, no, obedience is something that will chase you all the way to the cross. Obedience to God. It's such a huge issue. It's such a huge deal. By the way, you know, I think that Jesus Christ lived the freest man that ever walked the planet. I think he lived free. I think I—I I think he was his peace wasn't disturbed. I think he wasn't affected by things. I think you know, he lived free. Why? Because he obeyed. Life gets real simple when you obey. The consequences you can't predict sometimes, but it gets simple when you obey. You don't have to worry about it and fret about it and fuss about it. You just got to do what you're told. If that means going to a cross, then you go to a cross. <clears throat> but you obey. Then, here's really where I want to go with this. The Father was pleased. Matthew three seventeen, 17, in lower voice from heaven, saying, "'This is my beloved Son,' In whom I am well pleased. Well, you know what? He could have said, this is my beloved son. And that would have been sufficient, wouldn't it? You know, he could have said, this is my beloved son. And we'd have said, yep. Uh, I tell you, we can see that you love him. Uh, we understand why you love him. But he says, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is about 30 years old now. Just, just right about 30 years old. You know, he's lived 30 years of obedience. He's done exactly what the Father wanted him to do. You say, Are you sure, Pastor? He never, ever skived off for a while and did his own thing. If he did, none of us are going to heaven. He lived perfect obedience for 30 years. And you know what the Father said? I'm well pleased with him. Now, 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 what do you think it means when God says he's well pleased with something? What do you think if God were to say to you, listen, this is my son. This is my daughter. In whom I am well pleased. Do, do, do you think if he would say that to you that there would be anything he would deny you? Anything that would be good for you? Anything that would be right for you? Do you think there's anything that he would deny the Son in whom he is well pleased? How how would you get him? How, How would you, human flesh as you are, come to the place where you hear this, I am well pleased? How do you please the Father? John 15, 10 through 12 says this, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. How how are you going to please the Father? How how are you going to get his smile? How are you going to have a life that's lived abiding in his love? Jesus said, if you keep his commandments. Now, if you were to look at the commandments of Jesus, you could distill them down to two. Just, just two that he said. didn't give you the 613 of the Old Testament. He didn't even give you the 10. You could distill them down to two. The, the, the first one would always be this. Believe. He wants you to believe on his name. He wants you to trust. He wants you to depend he, he, he wants you to rest in Him. We have a hard time with that, don't we? You know, we're like little ants. We scurry around and we strive and we fight and we fuss and we try and make things happen for ourselves. And I know it because I do it just like the rest of you. And you try and make things happen and you try and... And we don't trust. We don't depend upon Him. Oh, yes, we've, we've depended upon Him for salvation. Well, basically, what choice did you have? Could you get salvation organized for yourself? Pretty soon you realize, as soon as you looked at this deal, you know what, there's no way I can fix this myself. If he doesn't fix it, I'm finished. I better trust him for it. But then there's the living out of the trusting him in day-to-day life. and So often what we do is we trust him as a last resort, don't we? But the first commandment would be to trust him. Just trust him. Just depend upon him. I can't, but he can he never intended that I could. He never intended to cut me loose and say, Dave, okay, go on. Get on with it now and report back to me when you're, when you're done. He never intended that. His intention, his plan, his goal was, Dave, I'm going to ask you to do something that you're not going to be able to do. Not now, not ever. But if you trust me, if you depend upon me, I will enable you. It's, it's more than help. You know what I'm saying? God doesn't help me. I mean, I'm, I'm unhelpable, if you want to put it that way. What God does is, God enables me. I choose, and He says, Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll enable you to do that. And he, so, but He wants me to trust Him in everything. And by the way, you're never going to obey Him unless you trust Him. It's not possible. You're never going to obey him unless you trust him. Trusting him is, 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 is the foundation of everything in the Christian life. Trusting him is the foundation that enables you to obey him, to live for him. <clears throat> he wants us to trust him, to depend on him. You say, for what? For everything. You say, <clears throat> which means the sins that you committed this week, he didn't want you committing. He wanted you to trust him instead. The things you did off your own bat what you did was you said, you can handle this, Lord. I mean, I understand you're great, you're God, and all the rest of it, but I need to fix this one. So just stand aside and let me, let me get on with it. And, you know, the sin is a problem, but the sin is not the main problem. The, the main problem is you stop trusting. You stop depending upon him at a certain point. And you see, that's what snarls us up. That's what gets in, in the way of our lives. We don't trust. You know, for at some point, what we decide is we decide, you can't handle this, God. I need to fix it. And we fix it ourselves, and we go at it and do damage. And then the second commandment is very simple. And yet, you know what? It's the ultimate test. Right? That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, if he had said that you love one another, we might have gotten away with it. Because what we'd have done is we'd have reinterpreted it to be whatever we were doing. Right? But he didn't let us off. He said that you love one another as I have loved you. I can't do that. I just can't do that. Neither can you. If if we're going to love one another as he loved us, it's going to take power way beyond what I've got. But that's what he's offering. So, to wrap it all up, Jesus got baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And the Father was pleased. And the Father was pleased with Jesus because he always trusted and obeyed. I can't do much, but I can trust and obey. And you can't do much, but you can trust and obey. You can't make it happen, but you know what? You you, you can do that. And as you trust, you will obey. The issue needs to go on the trusting end. And you know what? In the 21st century, you could get baptized today. And you could live a life that was pleasing to God. Oh, listen, you'd get it wrong sometimes, but you'd just confess it and make it right. And move ahead. You could live a life that pleases God and you could enjoy His smile. That's what the Bible's talking about. God wants you to enjoy His smile, He wants you to enjoy the fact that He's pleased with you. He wants to take care of you in a way that you know you're taken care of. And you can have it. Two things just trust and obey. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> dealing with this people. Lord, we do thank you for the great salvation that you've brought in the midst of us. Lord, thank you for people that are coming today to be baptized in the waters. And Lord, thank you for others that already have done. But Lord, I'm sure there are some here that do not know you as Savior. There are some here that are not sure that they have a home with you in heaven. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you step into those hearts today and would you draw them to you? Lord, you are a redeeming God, a Savior, and you would save if they would but let you. Lord, would you work? Would you work in hearts right now? And Lord, for those that are saved, Lord, would you stir in us a heart to obey you and to serve you with our lives that we might indeed know your smile, know your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.